1: good afternoon and welcome to another edition of the Bose nose show and i'm your host jay bozovich west lane county commissioner and we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown elmira oregon where it's another lovely pacific northwest january day the winds are blowing about 30 miles an hour and the rain's going sideways so uh you know typical day here and i'm excited to be back after my my kind of christmas New Year's, birthday, oral surgery break that we had here uh, on the Bo's Nose Show for, for almost a month, and lots to talk about, but I'm going to start out with a special guest. I have on the phone Kellyanne Stiles, and she is an um, advocate uh, to try and make people a little bit more aware of the issues of human trafficking and sexual exploitation here uh, in the Pacific Northwest and and really across the world. And this month is Human Trafficking Awareness Month. And uh, there's lots of events coming up. In fact, I promoted one that happened last weekend uh, when I announced that we were canceling the show, uh, which was a Human Trafficking Awareness Walk that happened on Saturday. But there are a couple other events coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Kellyanne. Welcome to
2: the show. Yes, Thank you. I appreciate this.
1: Yeah, no problem. So let's talk about, you know, how how did walk go last Saturday?
2: Well, um, we had a lot of people of it attend, and we had one of the restaurants uh, donate gift certificates for some of the attendees, and it was very eventful. Uh, Joni Wilkinson, who's also a member of Lane County Against Trafficking, such as I am, Um, had put it together within a week or two, as I best know. And we were pleased that um, so many people came out and attended, and we walked from where the Gateway Mall entrance exit is on Gateway Street all the way down to the um, Applebee's and a little bit farther and then came back around. And I am pleased to tell you that there were so many people that had drove by and honked, waved, thumbs up, yelled out encouraging words. Thank you for doing this. Keep doing this. And then we had a table there for them to come and sign up if they wanted to learn more about it at the various events. And then Joni um, got her new t shirts and sweatshirts that say enough in large, bold, white letters on a black sweatshirt t shirt. And then at the top of one of the letters, it has a, a small crown on it. And it was a purpose in her heart to have this available because she wants more people to say enough, enough to child abuse, enough to domestic violence, and enough to sex trafficking, human trafficking, sex slavery, modern human trafficking modern slavery and they all really do tend to intertwine and so I was really pleased that she was able to um, have those produced in time for us and she gifted me one since um, just so I should introduce myself also Um, as Kellyanne Styles, I'm a mother and a grandmother and a Christian of victim survivors of sex trafficking so originally I was invited to by Diana Jan who is the president and founder of Hope Ranch Ministries and Lane County Gives Trafficking, a citizen task force, to join her. And then I've been there for a couple of years at some of the sex trafficking awareness trainings and vigils for victims of trafficking and marches for victims, freedom marches. When um, I met some women from Junior League of Eugene, in Oregon, and they then invited me to join them and sponsored me to become a member, and I'm just pleased to partner with both of them. They're they're doing a lot to try to raise awareness for victim survivors of sex trafficking, and who your contacts and resources can be to um, report if you see any red flags about it, or to send a victim to someone like Diana Jans, the FBI, the police, um, that kind of thing, and then to walk away feeling like you're empowered, that you don't have to live in fear in your own community regarding sex trafficking, that there are uh, very valuable resources here to help prevent it within your family, your church, your school, your communities, and when you're traveling even. So that's who I am and why I'm here today to speak with you. And regarding the events that we have, I'll begin with the Survivor speak out. Now that's going to be held on uh, Friday, no, excuse me, it's a Thursday, January twenty-fourth, plus so next Thursday, and it's at the box at six six one East Nineteenth Street, Eugene, Oregon. It'll start at six thirty, end at eight thirty, and you're free to attend. But if uh, you'd like to donate anything towards Diana Jans at Hope Ranch Ministries to help some of the survivors, that'll be fine. Now, we have thousands of women become victims of sex trafficking every year, but that does include uh, boys, men, and people of all gender, ages, cultures. And if you will attend this, uh, Hope Ranch Ministries' third annual Survivor Speak Out, you'll be able to get a thought-provoking perspective from the survivors themselves. Um, some of them have gone through Diana's home to rebuild their lives, and they're very grateful for what her and many people in this uh, Lane County have been able to do to help them rebuild their lives. And then some of them have been relocated from other places in the Northwest or the nation, and it's just very inspiring to hear them finally have a voice for when they were victims to now speaking out as survivors that they have hope that they have helpful resources, and that many of them, they want to speak out. Uh, They want to be able to tell the public how horrific this is, how damaging it is, but how grateful they are for those who care, who dare to care, and what they're going to do about it. Many of them, um, sometimes they don't want to talk about it anymore after this, and they just want to rebuild their lives quietly and forget it, but others, they don't want to see anyone else have to go through this terrible tragedy. So what they'll do is come to our Survivor Speak Out and then also to our Sex Trafficking Awareness Trainings, and then they'll go on the walks. Sometimes we go to the U of O during the football games also to raise awareness because they want to be an advocate. They, they realize they can now stand up and be active, in their own life and take charge of it, and it's very therapeutic for them and myself to be able to talk about it because, as we know, there was a time you couldn't talk about uh, sex abuse, child sex abuse, or rape, or um, domestic violence, and many of us are trying to change the stigma of shame against survivors of rape and sex trafficking and human trafficking and give them a voice. And so that's why we're we're doing that. um some people don't believe in having these things, but Diana Jans has um worked with so many, and they just want the community to know how grateful they are, but they also want to tell them how important it is that they become aware of the red flags and who to report to and what resources are available so the next with the Lane county against trafficking um event would be. February 1st, and that's on a Saturday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., and that's a sex trafficking awareness training, and that's going to be held at the Eisler CPA Building at 1976 Garden Avenue, Eugene, Oregon. RSVP is required, and with both of these events, you can go on Facebook or on my Facebook and contact us and RSVP, and the third one that I wanted to talk about is through Junior League. It's called Abolish Child Sex Slavery. Now, this is going to be an educational night about sex trafficking in your neighborhood, MC, by Rick Dancer. There's going to be free admission, free dinner and desserts, but a no-host bar. Um, We have invited, and some of them have already accepted our invitation, um, Senator James Manning, who's already worked in the legislature, legislation, Within the last few years, to see what he can do to try to um, get those stickers put all over um, the restrooms to give a hotline, the National Sex Trafficking Hotline number, for victims to reach out. And then he's done a lot to try to get wraparound services for victims because it's a complicated situation when you um, try to rescue them and they try to rebuild their lives. And then the new Eugene police chief, Chris Skinner, he will be there. He was eager to join us um, on January 31st at the Valley River Inn. And he has already done a lot in Seattle before he came here to try to help raise awareness, rescue victims, uh, hold the um, buyers, the sex buyers, and the sex traffickers accountable to the law. And now he's already been very active. He's he's done a lot recently. Um, since he's come on board and Eugene as the new police chief. And then um, we've also invited the Springfield police chief, Rick Lewis. And Springfield was very instrumental when I went to report about my daughter's situation when her and my grandson were living with me. And they um, I saw the red flags and I tried to get help. But I ended up calling out to the police, the Springfield police, and then eventually Eugene police and the FBI. And by the grace of God and their compassionate commitment to help us and members of the community, I'm here to speak to you about this today. Um, they're very active in trying to um, hold the uh, buyers of sex uh, accountable, and I want to really make that clear. I'm trying to help change the culture of cruelty of sex trafficking and one of the things we need to do is change the language it's not fair or right to call the buyers of sex the sex buyers John I personally have a brother named John he's a good man so we need to change that and call them what they are um, they are buyers of sex sex buyers and then the pimps and the sex traffickers can be male or female any gender of any culture so we need to clarify that but um, they have done a lot to try to hold them accountable and to catch perpetrators. And then the FBI, very, very much involved. They have a victim's FBI advocate involved when they go to do their, their stings upon the sex trafficking. And they've been very helpful in my case to the point where I was actually able to uh, testify in court against one of the sex traffickers who had been pretty brutal with, um, brutal, brainwashing, beatings, and brought a gun, everything. And thankfully, uh, they believed me, and they helped us. And so now my family is alive to rebuild our lives, and I went on to go ahead and get involved in whatever resources in the community, such as uh, Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense, because there had been a gun involved and by an ex-convict who was not allowed to legally have that gun, And then 90 by 30 reduce child abuse uh, because child abuse is very prevalent among sex traffickers. And they target people like my daughter, who is a single parent. They target teens. They target children um, and college people. And then Lane County Against Trafficking and also Junior League. And I want to mention also I attended a meeting with Zonta. And I guess they've been around for a few years. And they, too, are trying to raise awareness. And then we're going to have the Junction City Police Chief, Bob Morris, and I have personally been invited and attended with Diana Jans to his uh, seminars for the same thing, sex trafficking awareness training prevention, and for the last three years, he has held those, and they're the best that you can get. So I'm really excited that he's on board with this and that he um, plans on possibly attending also. So what we're going to do is have a town hall style. So we'll have a few guest speakers, and then we're going to open it up to the um, audience. And there will be people there who have no clue, and we'll have some great questions. And then there will be people like, um, let's see, we one of our guest speakers is Melissa Erickson. She's a social service specialist at DHS West Eugene Family Center, District 5, Lane County, here in Oregon, child welfare. And interestingly enough, she was just honored for her work um, helping children and teens be rescued from sex trafficking here in Lane County. Just last Friday, uh, she went up with her husband to um, receive an award for that, her and her group that is a part of that. So I'll let her talk more about that at the town hall. So it's going to be a great event um, now what we're doing to encourage and reward the community uh, for attending is not only is it a free event free dinner and dessert but we're also offering uh, raffle tickets for the first 50 who come in you'll get one um, and we have gift prizes door prizes and then for every time there's certain questions and uh, asked and things that are done um there's just some surprises that they're going to have available, but Eugene Airport has come on board as our title sponsor, so we're we're very pleased with that and they have offered some um flight and then the um the Valley River Inn has offered some overnight stays with dinners, and The Graduate has offered some. But we just have various businesses within the community who have offered up some really great door prizes, raffle prizes, and it's just going to be a very great family event. So personally, as a mother and grandmother of um, my family, I would really encourage that if they can teach early sex education to children at a very young age and how to prepare for an earthquake and how to prepare for a gun shooting, Uh, we need to start teaching at a very early age how to prepare um, to protect yourself and your child and your family and your community um, against sex trafficking. So thank you. I appreciate it. And I want to go ahead and and mention... um, So it's going to open up for the Abolish Child Sex Trafficking Town Hall at 5.30. The doors will open and the food and drinks will begin. The event kicks off at 6 p.m. We're asking that you RSVP online for raffle tickets, no purchase necessary, and attendees can earn more tickets by participating in the discussion during the event. And raffle prizes are valued at over $1,000, and everyone has a chance to win. Again, you don't want to miss this event. So you can go to org calendar, the Abolish Movement Town Hall, and organizations that RSVP four or more participants will receive special gift items in appreciation of your attendance. Then also contact Community Enrichment at CommunityEnrichment at org for more information. And I happen to be also on the Community Enrichment Um, Because we also go to, in order to try to help um, lessen victim survivors of sex trafficking, we go to Hosea Youth and Services on the last Thursday of every month, and we bring them a home-cooked meal and just kind of sit and chat with them and help them get resources available to them to rebuild their lives.
1: Well, (laughs) that's a lot going on there, Kellyanne. is the um facebook page lane county against trafficking does that have all three of these events on it or just the uh survivors yes. speak out it has all three yes. okay we, so, so we probably will the have easiest, all three on that yeah uh, the easiest thing i can remind folks because a lot of people watch us on facebook live is uh you know go up there in a the little search bar on facebook and type in lane county against trafficking and uh that's and an then easy al- click. Also wow. junior
2: league though. Also yep. junior league has a Facebook too.
1: Yeah, junior league uh, of Eugene, right? Yes, sir. Or is it a-
2: and I would also yeah. like to I would also like to mention um some very great resources for them to check out before, during, or after would be the homelandsecurity.gov blue campaign. The blue campaign specifically gives a lot of helpful information and videos and they'll even mail you for free all kinds of stickers and uh, little cards with the phone number on it and then um, National Human Trafficking Hotline. And then Rebecca Bender is um, an Oregon successful survivor of sex trafficking. She actually works very closely with the FBI and um, various people. And then there's Harold D'Souza, who... um, was accepting my invitation to attend and be a guest speaker but he had to recently cancel out because the president has invited him to attend the uh, Washington, D.C. human trafficking there. So you can also go to Harold D. Souza. that the last name is spelled capital D, apostrophe, and then capital S as in Sam, and then O-U-Z-A, and he has been appointed since Obama for the national for the u.s council advisory against human trafficking and he has spoken worldwide so he's also a survivor of human trafficking so um he's doing a lot to help us with that but bear in mind i will be having him um he'll be coming for another event later this spring or summer
1: great well i really appreciate all the information kellyanne and uh you know We've given a couple places where people can get a hold of this information. Remember, there's going to be the Survivor Speak Out on January 24th. The Abolish Child Sex Trafficking uh, event at Valley River Inn on January 31st. And then there's also some uh, training available for folks on February 1st. And you can find all that information at Lane County Against Trafficking's Facebook page or the Junior League of Eugene's Facebook page for all those events. And, uh, you know, this is really an important issue. Uh, As I mentioned in my promo, this is the modern day version of slavery. And anyone that is currently buying sex is, is, is contributing to the abuse and enslavement of other humans. I can't make that more clear. It is not a victimless crime. There's really nobody out there that is not being trafficked that is selling sex. Um, And and they're usually under the control of somebody else through various psychological and other means. And it is just a a horrible um, situation that needs to be stopped. And one of the ways of stopping it is drying up the demand for it. And uh, I really appreciate Kellyanne your your bravery in um, speaking out as um, you know a family member of a survivor and, and having witnessed it um, personally. Uh, just real quick, um, explain why it was so significant to have the um, the walk event in the in the uh, Gateway area, and why the Gateway area yeah. is kind of is, is an important place when it comes to trafficking.
2: Yes. Um, Well, for me personally, it was specifically significant because my daughter and grandson, who had been a toddler at the time, were living with me. Um, I have disability fibromyalgia, and I was in a nice Cloverdale apartment, and some of the traffickers were in that area. And so they were living with me when my daughter was being trafficked in that area. So when I go there and do the Vigil for Victims or the Freedom March, I feel like I'm walking by faith to be a voice for the victims and trying to take back our Gateway Mall, try to take back our city, our Lane County, and raise awareness and show them I will not be shut down. I will not hurt from a broken heart so much that I'm useless, that I wanted to stand up for them. So one of the reasons why it's also very important to do it at the Gateway Mall When you go to the sex trafficking awareness trainings, you'll learn, or to the uh, Facebooks, you'll learn that sex traffickers target young females and males, and foster youth and rebellious uh, teens and college, high school people at the malls. People are usually on their phone, they're talking loud, they're Uh, whether they're happy or mad and they're shopping and you can derive just walking through the mall, uh, you can derive a lot of personal information and if they're right behind you, um, like when you're sitting at the uh, food area, the food pavilion, you there's a lot that they can do and they come up and buddy up to you and stuff. So uh, it's, it's easy access for them to victimize people and learn information from them. But then also, uh, The i-5 gateway mall goes to the the gateway street goes is the gateway to i-5 northwest and it's just very prevalent so i'd recommend that um people would go ahead and go on netflix or go to best buy and order the dvd by pbs it's called a path appears now that is a three-part documentary that was put out i believe in 2013 or 2014 when I first saw that, and it's got uh, actor-activist George Clooney, Diane Sawyer from 2020, and just various famous people who use their platform to raise awareness. But the first part of that documentary speaks specifically how the sex traffickers from all over the nation are specifically targeting, tricking, and trapping many of our young people, our teens, our homeless people, our single parents, Um, here in the IFI, the Northwest, most people don't think it's happening here. They don't know that it's happening and they can't believe it's happening until it has happened to them. And that's why I want to raise awareness and have you come to these various events so that you can learn who in this community um, is actively trying to prevent it or have the resources available to help rebuild broken hearts, minds, lives, families, and all would also like to say that um we're starting to see more justice when there are charges when there is time served more and more uh judges are starting to stand up for the victims also judge mcshane federal u.s court judge mcshane here in lane county um, was the one who had sentenced the one trafficker that i testified against and uh, he ended up getting extra time charges and restrictions in and out of prison so I was very pleased to feel like I had some justice on behalf of my family.
1: Yeah, well, that that's great, Kellyanne. Well, I really appreciate your time here on the Bose Nose Show, and uh, we'll continue to talk about this probably, you know, as long as I have the show. Uh, it, it's a, an issue that I've been aware of for quite a, quite a while. It's one of the reasons why I've been an advocate of the whole 15th Night movement, because once a, a kid's been homeless for more than, than, two weeks, they have a 90% chance of being approached to by traffickers. You know, it, it is just, you know, that's one of the populations that's most victimized is homeless youth. Um, and that's, you know, for me, it's it, try and keep people out of it, get the prevention side going, but yeah, it's a horrible situation um, that I'm really happy that there are advocates like you, bringing awareness to our community. Really appreciate your time. And uh, thank you for coming on the Bo's Nose Show today.
2: Thank you. I I appreciate your um, just compassionate commitment to help people like us have a voice for the victims and hopefully prevent other families from succumbing to the sex trafficking. And um, I really appreciate it. And I hope that you will also attend these events. Okay, Jay? Thank you.
1: Yes. I've got them on my calendar. Thank you, Kellyanne.
2: Great goodbye
1: and bye bye well that was great that Kelly Ann was able to come on the show um not exactly an uplifting topic to start off the year here on the Boz Nose show but it is January is human trafficking awareness month and Um, it's something I've understood for a long time that Eugene's actually an epicenter of this in some ways because of our proximity to I-5, because of our homeless and sort of disaffected, rebellious youth. um, It's easy for these traffickers to actually um, groom and and get these kids involved. Um, And one of the things people don't understand is Trafficking humans has become the new drug trafficking for gangs. When you sell a bag of heroin on the street as a, as a gang, you have to somehow or another replace that bag to resell it. When you sell a 14-year-old girl uh, to a purchaser of sex, you can resell that girl over and over and over again. And the profit margin is un is off the charts for these, these gangs. They actually send members to cycle, to, to college, to get psychological training, to understand how to pick out kids that are susceptible to being groomed as they walk, you know, body language, where they stand in a group, how they speak and everything else. It is, is insidious what these people do to entrap folks into the trafficking uh uh situations and it's something we really should be aware of and really should be fighting here in in lane county state of oregon across the u.s in fact the department of home land security put out a press release today where they released their strategy to combat human trafficking uh so it just happened to be on the same day we're talking about it on the bo's nose show but we're we're, (laughs) excuse me i'm still fighting the cough from the cold i got over christmas um we're going to switch gears a little bit here on the bows Nose show and i want to remind folks that you can always call us and change the topic on the bows Nose show at 646-721-9887 and uh just press one so we know you want to get in on the show uh Again, that's 646-721-9887, and press 1, because that lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know that you want to get in on the show. And I'm going to go into a little bit more lighter topic in some ways, and and somewhat of a heavy topic in other ways. All the new laws that took effect on January 1st, you know, because this is our first show of the year, so all these laws have taken effect since our last show. And... Um it's it's a pretty amazing list of, of laws and you know it's just mind boggling in some ways. And there is over two thousand uh bills that, <laughs> that get introduced in a long session at the legislature and and that was what happened in 2019. Over 2,000 bills were, were introduced and 750 of those were made into law. I mean, I'm not quite sure why we need 750 new laws in a, in a single year, but the, the legislature thought so. And I just want to highlight a few of those that got passed. And, and I think I'll start out on the lighter side. And, and I'm sure Robin might want to jump in on this a little bit too, but there are two bills passed house bill 2509, which banned single use plastic bags from restaurants and stores at checkout. And also required that they charge you 5 cents if they give you a paper bag and then SB 90, which prohibits restaurants from giving customers single use plastic straws unless the customer
0: specifically
1: requests one. Um, <laughs> And I have to just feel sorry for restaurant workers and checkout people because this last couple weeks, I've been in a couple stores and restaurants, and people are losing their minds at times (laughs) when they get to checkout and and they realize that they can't get a plastic bag. And it's a day like today where it's pouring rain and uh, you, 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 you know wind side you know pushing the rain sideways and they they want you to pay 5 cents a bag for something that's going to disintegrate in 10 minutes in, in Oregon's winter um and they they blame the checkout people and it's not the checkout people's fault it's the uh the legislature and uh the other one is that you know having to ask for a straw you know it's like
0: the free speech
1: yeah yeah and and, and I get why People are concerned about plastic. Um, the, the interesting thing is, is um, the U.S. is a very low contributor of plastic to our oceans. Uh, most, most Americans are pretty careful about making sure that trash actually goes in the trash. We actually have a good system of landfills, et cetera. We even have a lot of uh, diversion of that plastic out of the, the um, waste stream into recycling, although that's kind of had a setback with some of our China... Issues lately. Um, But the majority of plastic going into the oceans is from other countries. I mean, the vast majority is just two countries. India and China contribute over two thirds of all the plastic going into our oceans worldwide. Um, So, you know, making people pay five cents for a bag that's going to disintegrate in Oregon weather um, to try and resolve you know issues over plastics when we're such a, a small piece of the puzzle it seems like you know the nanny state stepping in once again and mandating something that should be actually done through education you know i've got my reusable you know grocery bags that i bring in um but you know there's sometimes where I I forgot to grab them out of the car or I drove a different car and I run into the grocery store and I just want one plastic bag, which, by the way, I reuse either the line of waste can or, you know, I've got a cat and I have to clean my cat box on a regular basis. Um, Otherwise, I'm buying bags for that. I also, you know, have dogs that sometimes I take outside of my yard for walks and uh, they get used for that, too. It looks like I'm going to have to start buying bags for that sort of thing.
0: I'll remind people why we went to plastic in the first place.
1: Well, originally, people thought that paper was bad for the environment. You know, and and just just to remind folks that are watching on Facebook, there's, you know, one of the dogs (laughs) that helps me reuse those plastic bags.
0: Um, (laughs) Well, the other issue was how many trees were being used for uh, paper bags.
1: Yeah, and well, the silly thing about paper bags is they're they're usually made of recycled paper content, and then they can be recycled again into more recycled paper content. So it's it's yeah, and trees and paper is usually made from the small scrap wood that's chipped um, with trees, you know, that's a, a byproduct of our uh, lumber, um, you know, structural lumber industry. So it's kind of like you know when they originally targeted paper bags, it was without a lot of good science behind it and Now we're going after plastic bags and straws you know and and the issue with the straws is there's a lot of people um that have physical handicaps that make um holding a drink and all that difficult sometimes or or forming their lips around a cup and now you're kind of singling those people out in um you know, making them request a straw in some ways. So there's almost an ADA issue around the plastic straw ban. Um, So it's, you know, of all the problems that Oregon has, they spent time. Now, mind you, all these bills had to go through hearings on both the House side and the Senate side of the legislature, (laughs) go through separate votes on each side of, you know, committee votes and then floor votes on both, both uh, bodies, and then get, go to the governor and go through his signing by the governor. All that time was spent on this when the biggest issue is not even in this country. And is, you know, where do we draw the line on government?
0: Wait, 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 wait a minute. You're telling me that all of this is so I can't have my stir straws for my coffee. Yes. Oh.
1: Yeah. yeah. Because you know there there's there's microplastics in the ocean coming from India and China. Um, <laughs> but and because they can't trust that they can educate people into reducing their use of plastic instead of um, mandating it through the power of government. You know, if you've got a government powerful enough to decide what kind of bag you can take your food home and that government's powerful enough to do a lot of other bad things to you.
0: Yeah. Like, uh, Oh, they probably even tell us what type of light bulbs we can use. Oh yeah. wait.
1: Yeah. Or, or how many gallons our toilet can use when flushing? Oh, guess what? That rule got pulled by the, uh, uh, Trump administration today.
0: Well, good. Because first of all, it takes two flushes normally And secondly, there's not enough water to push everything down a long pipe.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and when you put that spider in the toilet, you want it going down the first time. (laughs) I saw that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that that was a pretty funny uh, (laughs) animation that uh, one of our favorite Facebook posters, David Bacon Culver, had up. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, there's been a few other things. Um, You know, if you're a small business in Oregon, now not only are they telling you what kind of bags you can give your customers and whether you can provide them straws or not, they're also telling you that you have to uh, start deducting uh, 1% of your employees' um, pay and and contribute a percent from your employer's side towards a family leave um, program that's going to provide up to 12 weeks of paid family leave um and you know if you're a small employer having a a employer just decide they're going to go out on leave like that you know uh and not being able to schedule it and do other things and you have uh, a small amount of employees can really be disruptive in the workforce rather than leaving it up to the employee Who's working voluntarily for an employer to negotiate whether or not they get paid family leave from their employer? We have to mandate that again. Once again, the state mandating something that is really a contract between a couple consenting adults. You know, I can understand child labor laws. Of course, I don't know why a child would need paid family leave, um, but when you, once you're a, a consenting adult and able to enter into a contract to purchase a piece of property and a house. Uh, rent a car, whatever else you want to do, having the government enter into that relationship between an employer and employee um, is kind of interesting. But, you know, not only did they kind of raise the, uh, the issue for employers there with that paid family leave, they also went ahead and passed something called the Student Success Act. And I always loved the way they named things. Um, you know, a $1 billion a year tax increase on, um, businesses and it's a commercial activity tax. So it's on your gross sales, which means it's one, it's like a value added tax. So, you know, the, the, the guy that sells the farmer, the diesel fuel for his tractor has to charge this, you know, pay this tax. The farmer that, that, that produces the potatoes and sells them to mcdonald's has to charge mcdonald's you know that tax and then mcdonald's you know has to charge that tax to the person buying the french fries so you know it's it it, it you know multiple times in that french fry you know so buying from mcdonald's is going to have this tax built into it um and uh you know they, they they claim it's all about you know, you know making education better which you know we're not the least funded education system in the country. We're just the one of the worst education systems in the country. and It has to deal with the PERS, you know, whirlpool of, of cost that, that is sucking the life out of our, our K-12 education system. And instead of dealing with PERS reform, they decided to pass a $2 billion tax increase. And instead of calling it the, um, uh, <laughs> you know, basically what it is is a sales tax. Um, they call it, you know, it's a commercial activity tax is what they like to call it, but that's just a, a, a total tax on revenues, which is a sales tax. Um, and it, they call it the student success act rather than a new sales tax in Oregon, a $2 billion sales tax in Oregon. Um, so, you know, between the paid family leave and not decide you know you can't figure out which bags your customer you know your customers really want um you're also going to be paying this um, tax on your gross sales whether you made a profit or not because it's on gross sales so um you your your um your uh legislatures trying to help business out there. And 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 if that's not bad enough, they they turn around to to landlords and they passed a, a a further version of rent control. Senate Bill six oh eight which capped rent increases. Didn't really cap them that much because they did seven percent plus the CPI, which this year is basically a ten percent rent increase. And basically what it told landlords is you better do the full 10% this year because the CPI might drop, but your costs might go up more than 7% next year. So everybody's getting 10% rent increases this year. Actually it's 9.9 something. um, And some people are getting exactly 9.9% rent increases this year. But one of the things it's doing is the whole thought that, that you may not be able to have your rents keep up with actual costs is depressing new construction of multi-family rental properties in the state of Oregon and we've already seen it year over year um, building permits for uh, new multi-family um, housing developments has dropped significantly across the state Um, so you know we're going to add a new sales tax on the businesses we're going to make you know, make them also pay an an extra tax for family leave, which is also going to make it hard to schedule and everything else. And then we're also going to, um, make it, you know, even our housing crisis even worse. So your employees can't even find affordable housing. And on top of that, we're going to, um, we're also going to increase all of your fees for, um, your hunting licenses and fishing licenses, which, you know, some of those low-income folks, that's how they supplement their food budget, you know, is by putting a couple deer in the freezer um, every fall and and maybe catching some fish that supplements their protein, you know. But all those fees went up uh, by SB 5510. And on top of that, if you were going to do any of that fishing from a kayak or canoe uh, that's 10 feet or more, or even a stand-up paddleboard, you now have to pay $17 a year, according to SB 47. So um, just, you know, your, your legislature at work helping um, our economy, uh, you know, it's kind of like <laughs> they um, started predicting there might be a recession coming up, so they're starting to hold back some money at, at the state level for that recession i think they're passing bills trying to make that prediction come true you know at least for the state of oregon you know they're kind of trying to drive business out um i will say one thing they did do a couple good things and i'll I'll mention one of them just because i I don't want to make this all bashing the legislature house bill 2328 and i don't know if folks are aware but you know Auto theft is kind of a problem in this state, you know, with a lot of other property crime. And because we have such, you know, low amount of uh, rural patrol in all of our timber-dependent counties down, you know, in the southwest region or even out east, um, you know, it's pretty easy to get away with auto theft and get a car into a chop shop. Um, There was a 2014 court case where a a judge basically made— an interpretation of the law that you know the driver of a stolen car had to absolutely be aware that that car had been stolen, you know, before you could charge him. It was it was like it put the burden of proof on the prosecution to prove that somebody was aware they were driving a stolen car. So it made it really easy for somebody to go, oh well, so and so, you know, I I I borrowed this car from a friend. I didn't know he stole it, you know, or that sort of thing, yeah. You know? And it made it really hard to convict car thieves. So they passed House Bill 2328 which fixed that thing and kind of made it um, that you, you know people have to have disregarded a substantial and unjustifiable risk that the vehicle uh, might be stolen. You know, it it, it it was it really lowered the bar for prosecution again and and leveled the playing field. So it's a lot easier to to prosecute somebody for car theft again in, in, in Oregon. So that's a piece of good news. Um, hopefully that'll help us out, uh, in, in the long run. So, um, did I, miss, did I miss any of your favorites? Um, <laughs> Robin?
0: I think you're, you're on a roll. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
1: hey, here, here's a couple other good ones. Um, cause you know, we don't provide enough help for low-income people here in Oregon, and people, um, particularly millennials, don't understand what a postage stamp is anymore. What is that? A postage stamp, you know, that 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 thing you buy at the post office that you stick on an envelope.
0: Post office.
1: Envelopes, yeah, I know. It's like what, what, what? Physical mail, not email. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So F- SB eight sixty one provided that. Uh, now we have to put prepaid postage on all the ballots. Now, when you do prepaid postage, you have to pay for that on every piece you put that stamp on. Whether somebody mails their ballot back or drops it directly in an elections office, now we're going to be paying for the postage on all those ballots. (laughs) Because people were too stupid or or too poor to afford a stamp, even though it's a requirement that we have ballot drop boxes distributed throughout the county in in various uh, population centers and, you know, that you can drop them off directly at elections. You know, we still have to put prepaid postage on every ballot. You know, so
0: does that mean I have to actually walk to my mailbox?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good, you know, and I think they expect this to help voter turnout. It's like, really? We already have vote by mail. You know. <laughs> we make it so easy to vote now. You think that you know, having a stamp or not is really what's suppressing the vote. And and, and you know, in, in addition to that, they also passed Senate Bill 69, which requires the Public Utility Commission to establish a plan to provide low-income Oregonians assistance with accessing the internet. You know, broadband Internet. So, you know, somehow or another, we went from, you know, uh, food and housing assistance was, you know, what government started getting involved in in, in the 60s. So now we're actually going to be responsible for um, helping people get high speed Internet.
0: because Subsidize my uh, my hundred dollars plus that I pay for Comcast.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's basically, yeah. So we're going to start subsidizing, not just internet access. You know, it's no, it's, you know, they, they want broadband, which, you know, which you're talking about as high speed, you know, to, with some kind of assistance program, Uh, you know, and and they're envisioning doing this for anyone that's on snap or, or, or uh, other assistance programs. So there you go. They're, they're, you know, they're so desperate for money they pass a 2 billion dollar tax increase, increases on all your fishing license and whatever, and then start making you pay a fee for a stand up paddleboard. Yet they're going to provide, you know, subsidies for high speed internet. Does
0: that mean I get free Netflix?
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, none of these companies that, you know, we're going to provide subsidies that are going to end up going to a company like Comcast, Spectrum, you know, you put it, you know, you name the company that's providing high-speed internet. Um they're not poor companies, really. So, you know, here we are, you know, once again we're going to um you know, raise taxes and fees on everybody uh to provide this subsidy, you know, partly because all these people are going to be on SNAP because all of these anti-business laws they also passed are going to make them unemployed. Um
0: or just like uh, every year, like this year is even worse. I'm struggling to pay my property taxes.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I'll, I'll hit two other uh, high, highlights, seeing I've, I've hit a couple more lowlights here. Um, Senate Bill 320, that would allow Oregonians to stay on daylight savings time if the federal government and Washington and California also agree to make the change. Um I believe they've already passed the bill in Washington state and California was getting ready to or something. But, um, yeah, kind of the changing clocks things. We've talked about that on the Bo's Nose show. It's kind of, you know, <laughs> kind of silly. And I always love that meme that goes around Facebook every time the clocks change that, you know, only a only a white man would think that, that his blanket's longer by cutting off you know, some material from one end and sewing it on the other. <laughs> Yeah. Um so so you know that was a good thing, you know that, that they want to try and put us permanently on one or the other. I don't care what they pick. You know, we'll we'll get used to it. Um but changing the clocks, you know, every year is is you know twice a year is silly. <clears throat>
0: and yeah. then, and the uh, one thing I can see where it be um the devices like my thermostat that has the automatic um change built into it, you're going to you know, that's going to create havoc. So I don't think you can turn some of those off.
1: Yeah, they'll they'll fix it some, somehow or another.
0: But, yeah, I'll deal with it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> they'll update them. They'll replace them over time. I mean, it's an electronic thing. It's going to go it's going to go gunny in five to seven years anyway. Um,
0: <laughs> five to seven years. So you're giving it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Remember, so, this is the 21st century.
1: Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So another great bill they passed, and this one's actually really powerful. Senate Bill 3 allows community colleges to offer four-year bachelor's degrees. And if yeah. anyone's looked at the tuition difference between Lane Community College and the University of Oregon, you can understand why I think this is just a fantastic bill. I don't know why anyone in their right mind and, and would send their kid to the university system for their first two years right now especially knowing that every study I've seen, and I was an LCC board member for a while, Lane Community College, and is that students that spend their first two years of undergraduate at a a community college and then transfer into the university system have a higher GPA and a higher graduation rate than students that start at the university system. So why would you send your kid to the university right away when they're more successful going to the community college, and you save a boatload of money doing it? No, no kidding. You know, now you can save even more money and keep them in the community college system the whole way through. And it's not like they they're they're less smart going to community college. They actually get usually more individual attention because they're not in a 500-person lecture hall. Yeah. You know? So that was a great bill. So uh, credit where credit's due. They they did a good job there.
0: Yeah, unless you, well, I could go on for a whole hour about my experience in both colleges.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: As Jay well knows, because that's one, how we met in a way.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. sometimes they don't always do the best job, but, <laughs> but in other ways they do. Um, so turning back to the dark side.
0: There's yeah, more?
1: Yeah, there's more. Let's talk about and and this one I'm probably going to get in trouble with some folks. Let's talk about House Bill 2015. This bill allows illegal immigrants to get an Oregon's driver's license. They call them undocumented residents in the bill, but the only reason you'd be an undocumented resident is because you're in this country illegally. Um, What bothers me about this bill the most is the voters they passed this once in the legislature the voters went out and collected signatures to put it on the ballot they voted this down by a huge margin was it measure 88 i believe it was and i and i think it 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 basically got overturned by the voters uh by more than two to one and uh closer to three to one, if I remember the vote correctly. And the legislature goes back. Now they have the supermajority in place, passes this bill, puts an emergency clause on it. Now, I don't know what the emergency around driver's licenses was, so that the voters couldn't go out and collect signatures and put it back on the ballot again. So they basically went completely against the will of the voters and then stuck a fake emergency clause to even further take away citizens' rights to the initiative and referral system. So for all these Democrats that always talk about how they're for democracy and, and citizens' rights to initiative, why in the world would you vote in favor of a bill with an emergency clause on it that you knew folks wanted to refer?
0: Well, why, why isn't anybody reintroducing uh, to look at that emergency clause? Because that's really the root of a lot of issues that we have in Oregon.
1: Oh, uh, I, I agree. Um, and, and I fully supported and signed the initiatives that were going around at one point to called no fake emergency clauses. Right. Unfortunately, I didn't get enough signatures to put on the ballot. Uh, it was a constitutional amendment that would have put it into the, our Constitution that it required any bill that had an emergency clause on it had to require a supermajority, basically to pass in both houses. Um They couldn't pass by simple majority like this bill did. You know, um, so it just, that one really bothers me. That's really legislative um, malpractice to overturn the will of the voters, whether you agree or disagree with what the voters did. It was what they voted for overwhelmingly, and then to stick a fake emergency clause on it just to take away the ability of the voters to refer it a second time. Is so disingenuous and such legislative malpractice that they should throw everyone that voted for that bill out of office. If you know, find somebody to run against them, make that the only issue, and and deal with it. Um, you know, so you know, if I, if, you know, there were some bad bills in the, that and 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 laws that became effective on January 1st. That's probably one of the worst examples right there.
0: Yeah, those pesky voters, you know, those peasants.
1: Yeah, those peasants. You know, um it just it it's surprising to me, you know. I know there are other other bills that that um got a lot of press and all that stuff and people are all concerned about, you know, bicycles being able to do a um uh you know, a yield instead of a stop at a stop sign now, you know, and, and uh now we're going to have schools teaching about the, you know, being required to teach about the Holocaust. Um, you know, which is surprising that they have to add that requirement. <laughs> People should know about that. Um, you know, it's just, uh, it, you know, some of the other bills were kind of interesting, but you know, that one was definitely um, rose to the top of my list as as far as, as just malpractice. No matter how you feel about you know, illegal aliens being able to get a driver's license, whether it's beneficial, supposedly, it will reduce a- traffic accidents, et cetera, um, or whether it's not, why you support or don't support, the idea that elected officials pass something, the citizens re- collect the signatures to refer it to the ballot and then overwhelmingly overturn their decision, then they come back and pass the same thing by a simple majority and sticking an emergency clause on it, prevent the vo- voters from coming back and overturning them a second time, is just amazing to me. Well, With,
0: has anybody brought – you know, like during a session where they're discussing the, the bill or whatever, is anybody – does anybody bring up the fact, well, the voters said this and their excuse for doing it anyways?
1: Yeah, no – these are the things they do in the in the dark of night and, and, and in nefarious ways. Yeah.
0: Profiting off it.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I think I ran us past an hour in my rant.
0: <laughs> oh, that's okay. I'm I've, you're you're yeah. on a roll, so I'll figure I'll let you.
1: Yeah. So um I, I wanna thank everybody for listening to this uh I'm back edition of the Bose Nose show. Back next I'm you know, Wednesday, 4 o'clock here for the Bo's Nose Show, coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira. I want to thank everybody for listening. Happy New Year. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week.